five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier podcast running to the Toronto Divine and Vancouver Titans. Although moving forward, maybe the Lost Vikings. I am Chris at Lightforce, hmm. joined virtually by Omni and Omnistripe. Welcome, Omni. How goes the uh, the battle? Oh, it goes well. It certainly is a battle. I just had a bunch of Japanese curry I made for my wife's birthday uh, and a bit of cake. So it's a bit hard to talk right now and there's lots to talk about. There uh, is. There I'll is a lot through. Yeah. Happy birthday, Lena. I mean, that's, Happy birthday, Lena. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> D- did you get her something nice? Well, I did, but like I got it a little bit before uh, before the birthday itself. So ah, yeah, okay. it was, yeah. I get it. I get it. I mean, I, I uh, always, uh, when it comes to birthdays, specifically for my wife, I always like struggle trying to figure out what it is that she might want. Um, she's very picky. Like there have been times where I've gotten her gifts in the past and she'd be like, oh, I hope you have a gift receipt. Like how hard, like it breaks my heart that I can't figure these things out. So. Oh, m- m- mine lets me know straight away. She she would tell me in advance, like months in advance. Oh, I want this. I want that. That's for my birthday. Uh, you can get that for your anniversary and stuff like that. It makes my life way easier, to be honest. Oh, man. <laughs> that would make my life so much easier. Because like, I'll ask her. I'll be like, um, hey, you know, your birthday's coming up, Christmas coming up, whatever it might be. Is there something you're looking for, something you want? You know, give me some ideas. <laughs> I don't know. And then I get something and I'll be like, oh, I'm not really. Yeah. Do you have a gift yeah. receipt? It's like, okay, if you have an idea of what it is you kind of want, just throw me in the general direction at least. Like, yeah. Give me a, true, give me a hint. Like we both adopted this policy and it's been uh, quite successful so far. No complaints from either side. That's that's very, very good. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, throwing us a bone, uh, we had BlizzCon line uh, over the weekend right. i guess and uh, obviously we were if you listen to our last episode we were really excited about what it is that we might hear about the game uh, that the, the two of us love we did hear something kind of sort of maybe mm-hmm. and we'll get into it when we get into the fray um, but uh, i had been leaning hard into the idea that i'd kick off this episode as the premier source for everything to do with the last vikings because <gasps> I mean, there were a couple things that I was psyched for in in the you know opening, the one hour opening, the pre recorded yeah. opening, um, and I'd love to say that Overwatch was one of them, but hey, didn't quite happen that way. Um, as far as the teams though that we love to follow, the Toronto Defiant have been busy over the past two weeks. They got a whole lot of news yeah. that we're going to go and bounce around to, and the Vancouver Titans. Well, they're around. Lots going on in the fray. Obviously, BlizzCon line. We got some news on what Overwatch 2 might look like. The Overwatch League season details uh, were released in greater mm-hmm. uh, quantity. Uh, there's been a patch. Um, all sorts of stuff. So, you know what? Uh, let's just start pushing this payload. Moving the payload. Join me. I wasn't entirely sure how we would sort of kick off the news with the payload because the Toronto Defiant, as I mentioned just a moment ago, have been busy. 
Is it the big stadium announcement? And I say stadium, it's more like a performance venue. Uh, but there's that big announcement that just recently occurred. Uh, we learned about who the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans were going to face off against with the uh, Overwatch League to kick off their season. We learned that the Toronto Defiant were already getting in on the 2021 you know, team kit and swag. And the Toronto Defiant added a player. So I figured, you know what, why don't we touch on that first? Yeah. So rumor had actually been broken by uh, uh, Halo, as they all seem to be broken, that uh, the Toronto Defiant were going to be adding Lastro to their mix. And that provided some, some, you know, I wouldn't say concern. I mean, people were, were genuinely yeah, happy with we, that. Yeah, we talked about it last uh, episode. Yeah, well, it is official. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the words of uh, uh, Adam Adamu, they are not looking to release anyone. Right. Lastro is, is now officially a Toronto Defiant player. So that roster is stacking up to be a real, you know, solid group. I, I'm genuinely intrigued about how the Defiant might be putting themselves up a, a tier level when we start to think about power rankings, simply yeah. with the depth they have. Uh, and in arguably, you know, all three areas of, of the team. Yeah, I mean, we already saw this pattern of more teams opting in to have uh, double flex supports it definitely seems like the the right way to go about it like last season we did see uh plenty of players uh, plenty of teams sorry that wanted to get the flex the depth in dps and and it sure turned out to be the right choice and obviously you look at the team who succeed the most and and um, normally you would see them have the opportunity to play multiple uh, flex supports and and it seemed to be happening quite a lot when you'd see like a zen uh played with Anna or sometimes you'd need like to switch in a Baptiste and sometimes your main support can play some hero and some uh, can't play another hero. And and we're looking at at a new season where sometimes you would have, uh, you know, the we'll talk about a little bit more later about whether we do have a, a, you know, the hero pool or not. So you need this flexibility. We we know like it's never a detractor. Uh, And and I I like the. clarification from adam because he he's one of those owners he's like the mark cuban of, of overwatch league that's how i see him he's he has his uh, ear to the ground he he likes to look at probably all the rumors that go about the team and he knew that there's a big concern so i'm happy they're up one with the number of players they're signing off because you know it's it's a new season it's a new roster why would you release someone right now unless there's something horribly wrong and i'm happy to hear that there's nothing wrong and and we're going into the season and and as a, a podcast that is also covering the Define, I'm very excited to say that we're looking at a, a very good roster here with a lot lots of flexibility, lots of potential to, you know, to uh, have, you know, stellar gameplay at a lot of different metas mm-hmm. that might be happening in the season four. Yeah. Uh, the other news that uh, dropped was that the Toronto Defiant uh, 2021 team kit was made available uh, through their own merchant. Uh, unlike uh, you know previous seasons where Overwatch League merchandise went through the league itself, uh, the quality, based on what I've seen online, looks pretty decent. It's advertised in Canadian dollars at prices yes. that are reasonable to a Canadian market. Uh, shipping seemed reasonable, though I will concede um, I'm not entirely sure if that product had landed in Canada or had, you know, cause from a, a, a duties and taxes perspective, um, I, I don't have 
the context there. So for those of us here in Canada, something to keep into consideration. Uh, if you happen to be a Toronto Defiant fan outside of Canada, though, now whether it be the United States or somewhere else, I don't actually have those answers either. It's just a new experience. It's not one that we can speak to where we can almost guarantee through the Fanatics experience that the quality is likely going to be subpar and you're going to pay for it. Yeah, let us know when you get it. I want to see. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind to uh, actually see it in person. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, RSP modeling is, is probably what we need to do next. I mean, you and I could, you know, showcase that. I mean, we're, we're good looking guys, right? Uh, very, very. Yeah. We, we even look better than we sound. And that mm-hmm. says a lot. Um, we also learned as to who the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans are really kicking off the season again. So uh, there was a tweet from Adam that uh, essentially posted a Twitter poll. And if you've never done a Twitter poll before, you get to choose, essentially make four choices. And he had listed off four different teams. Who do you think Toronto is going to face off against first? And a variety of different people were commenting on those four, thinking, oh, oh, you know, he has told us who it is. And I will admit, when I engaged with his tweet through the RSP account, the back of my mind had suggested to me that it's probably one of these four, but wouldn't it be awesome if the Defiant and the Vancouver Titans could simply kick the season off against each other? Because for us as a podcast, a fabulous way for us to get some content and get, you know, things going. And Adam sort of, I don't know, he can't quite remember the reply, but he did sort of, you know, sidestepped it. Yeah. (laughs) RSP knew somehow, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, that the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant are going to kick the season off because they do. In fact, on April 17th, they face off to start each other's uh, Overwatch League season. The Battle of Canada Part 1. Awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for the, the start of the season. I ain't not going to lie about that. I can't wait until April. It is February now. So we've got mm, there's some, some time. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, when the season does kick off, I am truly looking forward to us being able to talk about matches and specifically getting those two teams to match off against each other, uh, you know, for the weekend, uh, bodes really well. I mean, it's, it's a self-interest. It's a lot easier to, to obviously generate the hype and talk about the two teams, and it also makes it a little bit easier for us to follow the league. Now, for those keeping track at home, they actually face off a second time uh, in June. That's a sure thing. And depending on how they uh, sort of play over the course of the season, they might face off uh, mm-hmm. again. And we'll talk more about that when we when we get into the fray. Yeah, I, I agree totally. Like, it's a great game to start off the renewed rivalry in a way. Uh, and one thing to mention is that Obviously, just hearing around, one team comes in with us with super low expectations, and the other with moderately high, especially when you consider their past performance. So it is still early to preview this match, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna do that uh, obviously once we, we get a little closer. But I'm already sure that the hot takes after this will be quite epic. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and thanks to the league, yeah, you're right. We 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 only have to do a deep analysis of one game, so that makes our life much easier. It does. Uh, the way too early pick, though, you've got the Defiant taking this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd i like to suggest it's going to be an even fight, but there's nothing that gives me any indication that it will be. Both teams are improved, yeah. but that's like, like not relative. knowing anything, yeah, this, is, this will be my pick. Yeah, Toronto Defiant, way too early. I mean, things could change. We obviously have some time, but yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this uh, closer to the 17th. Now, the Toronto Defiant, we're done. In the last two weeks, as we said, they've been crazy busy. And they announced 
that they are going to essentially partner in the development of a facility that looks phenomenal. If you mm-hmm. haven't yet seen sort of the the artist rendition of this this new performance venue, uh, that's essentially it's going to be like a an entertainment you know residential style complex. Uh, the building itself, I, from one view, kind of looks like a a Cylon from like Battlestar Galactica, like the yeah. modern Cylon, like a big futuristic egg. But the the idea is to create a venue that not only can house the the Toronto Defiant and the Toronto Ultra, but to also be sort of that multi purpose performance experience, right. which I think is a really smart play. When you think about sort of esports, it's still in its infancy, all things considered. Yeah. And I believe, you know, there'll be an increase in, in sort of popularity teams and the like. But if you create a venue that can draw on some of the traditional performance resources, making it multi-use, it yeah. ensures, uh, you know, a far more productive experience. And the location is is phenomenal um, on it onto its own. I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm Again, I'm not from Toronto. I've been there a handful of times. Uh, it's pretty close to the the CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition uh, mm-hmm. lands. So, um, if you as I say, you haven't seen, it, go look at some of these pictures. Like I, I think for those of you who might be in Vancouver, it's like a very modern version of what the Queen Elizabeth Theater my experience might be. Which, mm-hmm. when we were talking about potential Titans venues, the two of us had sort of suggested if it wasn't going to be Rogers Arena the Queen Elizabeth theater might be yeah. a place to go. I actually like that idea. I truly do. If you're going to have a showcase experience and a showcase event, having that theater style is far better than, you know, the open bowl concept of a big arena. Yeah, I agree. Like the amount of uh, crowd you're going to draw is, is definitely lower than like uh, what I guess the Equilini saw in the, the, in the, the international, Right, uh, mm-hmm. event when they got exposed to the f- how the potential of esports. Uh, I agree. It looks amazing. It looks beautiful. Renders. It kind of remind me uh, the hype that was around uh, the fusions yes. uh, plans to create their arena. Very impressive. Uh, can they build one in Vancouver as well? <laughs> and <laughs> and like you said, like when esports is in, in its infancy definitely makes a lot of sense to make it a multi-purpose venue and not mm-hmm. only that like we see that even with like old traditional sports like the rogers arena you, you you're not playing hockey there on nhl all the time right you gotta uh, uh apply it to some other things and not only that but like people who don't even know what that is like uh, uh they get exposed to other events that are happening in that arena so uh, people know about you know the voodoo that play in the Rogers Arena, for example. Suddenly, just because they are aware of of the NHL team, team right? So, uh, if you go to let's say in the future to to the show of the weekend or something like that in that venue, there would definitely be a lot of promotional materials about the Define. I'm sure uh, <laughs> there could be like an opportunity for even the the performance to uh, the performers to wear some of that gear. There's a lot of opportunities in that yeah. you know cross section, and then there's a lot of overlap and 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 celebrities now are very uh, fine-tuned and all that has to do with... Uh, a lot of them are, are gamers themselves. So it's definitely... There's there's no minuses to that. No. And, and and just to say that OAM, they, they keep on being like the evolution that they want to see in esports. Really amazing trailblazing mindset for, for Adam and, and his team. Like very, very nice. Yeah. I you, So first of all, you mentioned The weekend, And for those that might not be aware, he is a partner uh, with OAM, Uh Uh, you know, 
good Canadian kid and all. Uh, <laughs> but when we think about sort of like the cross promotion, obviously that can exist. Uh, the Vancouver Voodoo, though, they don't anymore. Uh, oh, <laughs> bad example then. <laughs> It's been a long time since the Vancouver Voodoo. Well, what uh, exists thing. now, really? Well, it's in in old. Rogers Arena, you've got the <laughs> Vancouver Warriors lacrosse team. You've got the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, so I can possibly the Vancouver Titans ish. I again, yeah, you don't I, I, I thought like. the Voodoo were the lacrosse team, but that's the field hockey one, right? Well, Voodoo were the roller hockey roller hockey, team yeah, from yeah, yeah, way yeah. back when. Like it's yeah. we're talking a long time ago when I wasn't uh, anywhere near uh, Vancouver, anyways. So. No, which is why when you <laughs> dropped the name, I was kind of like, oh, you've heard of the Voodoo? That's interesting. Like my research, I, I, you know, sometimes you you talk about random stuff, and I and I uh, absorb. That's good. That's good. Um, the the facility though in Toronto is uh, you know predicted to be done or completed by twenty twenty five. So we won't be going there next year to 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 cheer on the defiant. Um, and as with any project of this size, it's possible that that date may may change. Obviously, um, based on the the construction uh, uh, requirements and. The fact that, uh, you know, engineering projects themselves are, are mm. complex. But the thing that you would just sort of ask, like, would we ever see something like that here in Vancouver? It would be cool if we could. But, like, I genuinely don't know of really anyone who's looking to build yeah. this type of facility out this way. Like, there are, you know, gaming, the gaming stadium. They talk about they're building this big esports facility. But quite frankly, I've heard absolutely nothing um, since their sort of big announcement, they have a couple of buildings that they've sort of set up in, but it, it pales in comparison to what we're seeing Toronto look to do or what, you know, the Philadelphia fusion and, and Comcast are doing. So we're not, it, it, the best way I could almost correlate the experiences, the fusion and the defiant they're playing in the big leagues. And well, you know, the, the people behind the gaming stadium are doing great work. They're not yet to that level. the economies of scale are significantly different. So again, take a look at it. Uh, There's details online. You can easily search. uh, I'll include some links within our our show notes as well, Uh, but genuinely excited to to see this development. And maybe if RSP is around in in 2025, uh, we'll be able to report on, uh, on firsthand experiences in this new purpose built venue. So it's now that we get to the Vancouver Titans and uh, they continue uh, to exist. Um, I think. I think so, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Is, is the great Sasquatch known to hibernate? Uh, maybe. Not sure. I don't know. I mean, if it, if it is hibernating, <laughs> I mean, that might explain a lot. It's it difficult. Yeah. You know, it, I, oh, go ahead. We, it reminds me of that meme, that little drawing of that. Uh, I don't know if it's a stick man or a person. He, he pokes something with a stick and like do something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you just take that graphic and throw a, a Titans logo on it. Like it, it, it could be that they have lots of things happening behind the scenes. We've heard the Vancouver Titans organizationally say this time and time and time again. And at some point, those things either need to be released or they need to go and and redefine what it means to be working on really cool things. Yeah. I'm going to use that example I used earlier. The Toronto Defiant are constantly working on really cool things. The Vancouver Titans, they're kind of in like 
you know, not even the juniors. They're like in the junior B level of really cool things. Yeah, I, I, the throughput is uh, not great. Like, yeah. Heck, the, the the most exciting thing that happened to the Vancouver Titans outside of the fact that the Toronto Defiant and them kick off things on April 17th is that uh, Mr. X went and redid their logo for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a cool thing. Kind of, it, it's nice to see that the you know social media team is still the you know sending waves across the league. That was really really uh, awesome. I like that. Yeah, but uh, you know beyond that, there's not a whole lot. Um, we learned that Linkser doesn't uh, rate to Putin very well, if at all. Um, uh, which is again like that's blasphemy. Yeah, like I don't know if that kid's allowed in the country now. Good Putin is hard to come by. That could be like a reason why. True. Um, also, now with with the delivery stuff with COVID, like it's one of those dishes. Some dishes you can have delivered to your home, and they'll be like almost as good as the real thing, like eating oh. it in place. And poutine. Mm, no, no, you gotta eat because no. like once once those fries start soaking up that yeah, gravy, they do. That and they're soggy. They're it's just not. You're right. I I I, I will qualify what. I said by suggesting the the point you raised that he has not yet had good poutine. That might be the problem. But yeah. uh, if the Vancouver Titans are listening, and I'm pretty sure they do, uh, get Linkser some good poutine. Um, is the poutinery still around? Um, For, or maybe Fritz, I think they're still around. I mean, there's one good place that I had poutine from uh, recently. I'll look it up. I don't know about the poutinery. I, uh, is that the one in Granville? No, that's... Well, the one I think one um, was Fritz. The problem is like with the, the pandemic. I'm not entirely sure um, if these these places are still in business because yeah, obviously so many the are yeah going on the financial like side of things awful. is just is problematic. Yeah. Well, what a way to end the payload off with a, a downer conversation like that. <laughs> um, yeah, support local. Keep the the places yes. you love in business. Yes. Do your best, even if you have to order in, order direct. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, we can all sit down around a table together and have poutine, uh, some point uh, yeah. in the near future. Let's take ourselves a short break here before we dive into the fray. Normally when we get into the fray, we dive into something that's going on within the Overwatch League or, you know, any cuts or ads that might have happened. Um, but I actually wanted to, to give a, a quick shout out uh, to one of the OGs in the, the Overwatch podcasting space and the Overwatch League specifically. The High Noon podcast was actually the first Overwatch League podcast that I listened to. And I'm talking about before even the idea of, of RSP. Uh, and Ready, Set, Pwn was a thing. Well, we learned uh, over the course of this past weekend uh, from, from Deathblow, one of the two hosts, he and the Blevins uh, host High Noon, that uh, they're going to take the season off. Um, and they're going to pause until at least Overwatch 2 is out. And then they're going to decide where they really want to go from there. Now, one of the issues, and we're going to talk more about that in a moment as we talk about sort of Overwatch 2 and when it might come, 
is that they're also not as excited about sort of the Overwatch League based on the adjustments that they've seen in the format. But also when it came down to creating a product, um, they simply felt that, you know, if they're not, you know, 100% bought into providing that, you know, quality product that they would need to take a, a break until such time as they do. If you have yet to ever listen to the High Noon podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to their back episodes. They've had some great guests, great interviews. It's a top-notch production. And quite frankly, right. uh, the Overwatch League yeah. sort of content creator sphere is less yeah. with them going on hiatus. Yeah, they have amazing guests. I mean, I was a guest at one show, so. Well, and don't let that <laughs> discourage you that they had to, you know, scrape the bottom to get someone like Omni on. But yeah. then, in fairness, I mean, you were there, not me, because they prefer you. I, I think, like, a lot of uh, podcasts, and like, when I started listening to podcasts that revolved around the Overwatch League, there was a bunch of them, yeah, that don't exist anymore. If you talk about the High Noon podcast or the uh, Overwatch Owl recap. Mm-hmm. And maybe they just like are frightened from the like amazing quality that we are able to come up with uh, time and time again. There's just like, uh, there's no point to it. It's kind of like the San Francisco shock. Like nobody can compete. <laughs> but for, <laughs> if we're serious about it, it's it's sad for sure. One of the OGs, like you said. Um, hopefully they return. I mean, BlizzCon, we'll talk about it more specifically now. It was like a bittersweet affair. I guess the the real bad thing and i'm, I'm like I'm, I'm qualifying here bad and i'm i'm, I'm uh, speaking hyperboles in here is that the fact that we didn't really get anything uh almost for overwatch one while that uh while we wait for more news for Overwatch two and and they always said oh it's okay we're we're working hard on overwatch two and then and, and i guess people expected more and with the league itself you know going through ups and downs at the end of the day, when you do a creative process, right, when you create and it's not your job, it's your hobby and you put, you know, so much effort and and love into it. And sometimes things, they don't go as planned and, and you get no, uh, you know, validation for it. And then for each person, it's different type of validation. And for them, it's it's been like probably past that threshold. And it's something that takes a while to to really, you know, it's not like they decided on this particular day that that's it, that's done. It's done. Overwatch two, not or or BlizzCon. It's probably been a process that's been cooking in a while, a decision that was cooking in their minds for a while. So, hats off to them for you know setting the scene for being there before all of us. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I hope to hear more from them and and uh, have them back onto you know onto this uh, podcasting uh, environment. Yeah. Now they do have the dis- a Discord community of their own, which is quite vibrant. So if you are interested in sort of expanding your horizon to other podcasts, I strongly encourage you to check out the High Noon Podcast Discord. It's sticking around. The conversations there are phenomenal. Are they doing um, like another podcast now or, or something? Because I know well, one of them is like uh, doing a bunch of other stuff, but I'm not sure if it's like the two of them as a team, you know, transitioning to a different game. Well, the High Noon podcast itself actually had sort of a subset of podcasts. It's not entirely clear to me if they're continuing. I kind of get the feeling that sort of that brand is being shelved until sort of the passion were to come back. Um, It could be that they return during the course of the season, though, you know, both of them have suggested this tournament format is not for them. Um, In, in, you know, previous episodes, they've talked about it on Discord and, and on Twitter. Again, it's not, this is not a surprise. But um, as to their sort of other, 
um, podcasts? I'm not entirely sure. And I'll be honest, there are times even when I with RSP kind of get to that point where it's like, do I continue? Yeah. Um, you know, I have lots of podcasts that, that I, I create. Um, it's possible that if, you know, I decide that RSP is, is winding down, that doesn't impact the others that I do. It's just a completely different topics. Right. So that could be to your point, uh, a possibility. So let's talk a little bit about BlizzCon line. So we sort of let the cat out of the bag and in so much as to um, what we're going to talk about with the league, um, because we learn more about the Overwatch League season. Um, as far as sort of Overwatch news is concerned, we got some insight um, with Overwatch 2. We'll talk about that. But when we think about sort of the keynote, the keynote of any, any BlizzCon always showcases sort of the top, mm-hmm. you know, properties of the time. And and sort of each sort of developer or develop head gets out on stage and, and, and speaks yeah. to their, their title and some of the cool things. And they draw some announcements. Like I, I talked about this on our last episode, how when they introduced that cinematic that talked about Overwatch 2, how emotional I became. And there was none of that, quite frankly, with this BlizzCon um, event, this BlizzCon line experience. There was nothing to do with Overwatch 2 in so much as sort of that, we got we to see what's going on behind the scenes. And like, that's good, but we didn't get any cinematic that introduced the game any more than sort of the technical side and the development side. We got absolutely nothing about Overwatch 1, which sort of blew my mind. And I, I posited this both in, in Ready, Set, Poem Discord, but also in Twitter. Is Overwatch 1, the game that we've grown to love now StarCraft 2? Because when was the last time StarCraft got sort of that, you know, showcase experience. Like yeah. BlizzCon line keynote covered the retro titles, like the Lost Vikings is making a return in the Blizzard arcade. I think that's kind of cool. It's, it's recognizing some of the OG titles that Blizzard worked on before Warcraft sort of set the, the tone. We yeah. saw them talk about World of Warcraft and the new expansion. Hearthstone, we got to learn more about Diablo, how there is news on the Diablo front, both with Immortal, but also, you know, the Diablo 3, um, you know, build, we saw information as to a remaster of Diablo 2, which is equally as exciting. Yep. And yeah, I mean, that was it. Uh, my heart goes out to the developers and, and Jeff Kaplan. I saw some of his comments about how like demoralizing, I don't know if that's the right word, the word he used, but it's, it's very like, difficult for them to see all the comments about people complaining about overwatch and i get how hard they're working but people what i'm trying to get to is like there is a reason why some people use that you know a troll title of overwatch 1.5 and i think it has less to do with overwatch 2 being you know maybe not as as apparent as a huge upgrade over overwatch 1 but it's more to do with what you said right now that we feel like this game that we're playing, that we're all watching and in, in, in the esports scene or playing at home, hasn't been given uh, any love at all. Like recently, we did get some crumbs, but yeah, it's been a while. When, when uh, Overwatch Two was announced and, and was it like two years ago now? Uh, so over, well, like one and a half. Uh, Overwatch yeah. Two, like the cinematic, was at the BlizzCon right, right. of. 
2019. And at the time, it seemed almost too early for them to announce the sequel. Is it real? Are we getting Overwatch 2 this early? Normally with Blizzard, you'd, you'd wait well, a lot more. I remember it was like a half of my life at the time uh, from uh, between you know Brood War and, and StarCraft 2. And that felt like a massive leap. And with Overwatch, it was like, uh, okay, well, I guess we'll get Overwatch 2 soon. Mm-hmm. And now maybe it was a bit too early for them to announce it. I don't know. And now it feels like it's been dragging and dragging and dragging. In, in fact, it's you know way worse because of... Uh, the lack of content that we're getting for Overwatch uh, One, and I saw your list that uh, of of new characters, and that's that's the meat, right? Mm. Of Overwatch, and we're getting all these. It's like they're trying to fill us up with bre- bread before the main course is uh, presented on the table. Well, I don't and even know if we're getting filled up on with just bread. Crumbs, at this point. Just crumbs of stale bread. Yeah, uh, and and it's, it's 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 a shame. I mean, COVID obviously made things a lot worse. I'm positive mm. that. Like it should have come out at least in this year, but it's difficult. We saw, you know, the different uh, shots and snaps of people working at home from their desks, and it's not like the best optimal solution to do even even a digital product. It's not it's not easy, and and it does look uh, good. We're gonna talk a little bit about what, what they showed us, but I guess I guess you're right. It's it's an emotional attachment to this product to these these characters that we care so much about and we want more obviously who doesn't mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's just it's hard i mean i'm not on the side that was uh too upset i mean i i almost got really upset with the exclusion of a watch like you said from the keynote from the open ceremony like isn't this like one of the flagships for blizzard entertainment like why are we not seeing this anymore at all is it is it that sparse? Like the amount of things that they can show us? Is it that bad? Th- that was my knee-jerk reaction, right? Are we not getting anything anymore? And uh, then, like we saw, you know, the, the specific thing for it. But but you you want to see something on the keynote? Make a video, make something. I uh, I think it wasn't a good decision for them to you know not show anything on 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 the opening ceremony. Yeah. The the thing about Overwatch 2 is that they, you know, Jeff and and really the development team told us early on, it's not close. It's not even like, you know, it's you won't see it soon. It's not even but Blizzard it looks soon. Close. That's what, you know, that well, that one pisses I, off everybody, I think. Sure. I mean, we saw we saw cinematic which doesn't yeah. give anything. But then we saw on the floor gameplay, very surgical in what it was was providing, but the fact that that existed sort of gave hope to the idea that there might be this new title. I was bought into the fact that I thought it would be coming out of the holiday season. And at least show like a new character outside of Sojourn that we already, just a glimpse, like, I don't know, fan art, something new, something fresh. Well, and I think that's where the the, the struggle exists. The freshness based on what we saw, we saw you know, it, yeah. it's it's like the, it's it's a, tease a taste that you like hey look at this new flavor you're all gonna love it you have a little taste oh my god i do when's it available we don't know like the hot rumor prior to blizzcon based on some grainy screenshot that could be real could be fake who knows suggested it's coming out in 2025 if that was the truly the case and i i strongly do not believe that that is um that would be crazy but that's Uh, sort of you know, go That's down. Announce, announce Overwatch three. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let's go down memory lane. So Overwatch one 
launched in May 2016. So this May, it'll be the five-year anniversary of, of the title. And if you consider having purchased it back then, if you've paid for anything, it's only been for in-game content like skins or loot boxes or, or what have you. The game itself and all of the heroes and all of the maps and the modes that have been added have been provided to us for free. So please don't, you know, take some of our, our unsettled comments or sort of the negativity as one might suggest as being us trashiness. It's just that I would love to pay for a, a new, new title or DLC that provided me more content. That's where the struggle exists. Like we think about new heroes. In 2016, we had two, 2017, we had three in 2018, we had three in 2019, we had two. And in 2020, we had one. That was Echo. And Echo was released at the start of 2020. So pandemic hits, that obviously might slow things down. But we were already told at that previous BlizzCon that the focus for development had rolled into Overwatch 2. Uh, when we think about maps, and I'm only counting Escort, Control, Hybrid, or 2CP. Right. Because those are sort of the base modes. Um, yeah, we had one in 2016. We had three maps in 2017. We had three maps in 2018. The, we had two maps in 2019. So we actually have not seen a new map within those modes since 2019. Now, someone will say, well, whoa, 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 wait, Chris, there was a new map last year. You are right. But those are based on the four new modes that were, were released. So we got Lucio Ball, which is a season of the land, Elimination, which is the, yeah. um, I mean, you've played it, the, the, the lockout kill, uh, Deathmatch, and then CTF modes. Yeah. And in these modes, because they were added, um, the map uh, release, was actually quite varied. So in 2016, we had two maps. In 2017, we had a ton of maps. And that was because of the elimination mode being uh, sort of expanded. Mm -hmm. uh, there were uh, one, two, three, four, five, six maps. Uh, or sorry, five maps. In 2018, we had three. And had it not been for Kanazaka, which came out in, well, actually this year, um, which wasn't even a planned map, there wouldn't have been a new mode map. Yeah. You know, so that would leave us with Paris and Havana. Like, this is the struggle is that, the game has gotten to the point where it feels like it's getting no attention. And originally when I had suggested it was like Heroes of the Storm, I walked that back because HOTS is still getting content. As much as it may not have an esports scene, they're getting new heroes added. Um, Overwatch 1 isn't. Yeah, you might say, well, we're getting new skins. Skins don't change the gameplay. They don't adjust maybe, much. Maybe Kanazaka to Fort BlizzCon. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, and I, again, this could very well come down to the fact that had we overhyped ourselves, and if so, I'm more than willing to, to you know, take a mulligan there and suggest that I, I did that to myself. But, you know, Activision Blizzard, or Blizzard specifically, and the Overwatch team have been providing very little information. And that is something that Jeff had said that they're now going to try to do. Like they said, hey, we, were, we told you we're going to go dark, and we went dark. But I don't think everyone realized that when by saying we're going to go dark also applied to Overwatch 1. <laughs> that's the that's the struggle, is that going dark on 2 was fine, but then you also are going dark on 1 and leaving us with a competitive scene with an Overwatch league that's going through its own adjustments in its infancy. So like yeah, and the, the, the off-season is so long, and mm -hmm. everybody has the pandemic uh, you know, affecting our lives and all so many in so many like other facets and, and people are thirsty is all. Uh, yeah. And it just gets, you know, it just makes it even harder to wait. Yeah. But 
specifically to Overwatch 2, with what little we did see in the behind the sort of scenes look, uh, the game looks beautiful. Like the updated engine and the graphics, um, the the lighting effects, the sort of the new hero models. Um, it looks phenomenal. The new uh, sound for the, the new, dust. Oh yeah, like they when they showed how they're actually going to the field and getting like real world weapons capturing those sounds and not only just the sound of the weapon, but in different environments. So like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so when you're soldier, you know, shooting your, your primary, if you're in a enclosed space, it will sound different than if you were in sort of a wide open space. And that enclosed space will vary based on if it's one that you're in like a hallway or if you're in one where it's more like a, you know, a, the hangar in, in, uh, um, uh, watch point, for instance, like, again, they're, they're that type of experience. Um, and I, I'd say it feels, I've, I've described it with quotation marks, feels good. It's hard for us to say if it feels good, but based on sort of the gameplay mechanics that we've seen, it looks like it will feel good. Yeah. Right. Like the, the adjustments that they're making to some of the heroes and to the gameplay itself, the mechanics, like it looks as if they're taking a lot of the lessons that were learned with overwatch one, which again, May 2016 hasn't really changed a whole lot. This is uh this is where the overwatch 1.5 moniker comes as a huge compliment. Cause overwatch is such a good game in terms of how it feels, mm-hmm. how it plays. And, and it's, it's the sum of its small parts that kind of makes it stand out above a lot of other games in terms of how the small animation is just, how everything just fits together. Yeah. yeah. Now the point that people will raise is like, well, wait a minute, haven't you spent all this time complaining about the fact that you want it now? Don't you want it to be ready? And I do, I want it to be ready. As I've said on Twitter, it's better 2032 than 2077. <laughs> so true. So true. I won't wait till 2032 for the new game. I'm sorry. By that point in time, um, I'll have moved on and this will be a, a, you know, lost Vikings podcast, but (laughs) it's not the issue of waiting for it to be ready. Like that truly isn't what the problem is. It's coming to that realization that the game that we've been playing all along, that's sort of been satiating that hunger is pretty much done. Like the, the lights are on, but really no one's home there. And we're, it's time for something different. And that might be where we start to go and explore other titles. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Valheim recently. It's not a Blizzard title. It's all about Vikings though. And so, Hey, maybe, you know, there's a, a tie into the lost Vikings. We're, we're at that point when we make the most awful sound, sucking the milkshake from the cup with our strong <laughs> and there's nothing there, <laughs> but we keep, try harder we, and harder. You keep yeah, on exactly, trying. We yeah. keep doing it. <laughs> um, what else is happening in, in Overwatch 2? Well, 2CP is going to be there, but not there. Um, it was clarified that the mode itself might exist, but it's not going to be a mode within in-game. So it'd be like an arcade experience. Um, we saw Sojourn, which we already sort of knew. Uh, we got to see more of her in-game. She's got a rail gun, yeah. which... Uh, so this is... I, I kind of was trying to understand the, the, where Sojourn fit. Like, it's damage here because that railgun, and I can't, looking at sort of the graphic that we saw with the, the subsequent abilities, didn't occur to me to be a support and didn't have the HP to be a tank. It's DPS, for sure. Right, definitely damage. Um, the alt we don't know much about, but it showed, like, three little bursts. So part of me then was wondering, is it, like, three subsequent, like, blasts? Like, boom, boom, boom. Um, 
but I think the rail part, like this is, this is where I, is it a, like, it can't be a sniper hero. Right. And is the rail kind of like a mini, like sim beam that, you know, deals consistent damage during the rail hitting. Apart from the visible graphic of, of the, you know, of your shot going across as a line, essentially it has to be a hit scan, right? They're talking about, they talked a little bit about uh, how they like build their characters around different guns from, you know, other, other, uh, other games. And this rail gun reminds me a lot of, of unreal tournament and, and the way that worked there and the way it looks to be working right now is it's just like another McCree shot with a different graphic working on it. I don't know. Maybe there's a difference in terms of the delay of how instant it's going to go. Mm-hmm. So maybe it'll be like a mixture between uh, maze right click only being uh, a hit scan. So that's that's my sure. theory. So that will differentiate her uh, apart from like Ash primary fire, like not shooting down the side or, or McCree. So that maybe. The one thing, and she also has like a, a, an SMG mode, kind of like Widow, maybe a bit stronger or not. I'm not really sure. Yeah, we we only know as much as what we saw uh, during the sort of behind yeah, the scenes. She looks good, and then uh, she's uh, the first official uh, bona fide Canadian uh, hero. Yes, even though Farah kind of is based. Yeah, on but her. like she literally has the maple leaf on well, her shoulder. I, I actually saw someone on Twitter ask, like, "How do you know she's Canadian?" And it's like, "Well, there's a maple leaf on her shoulder." <laughs> Yeah. Um, we also learned about some other hero adjustments that are going to be taking place. Uh, the one that had me most excited is the fact that Reinhardt potentially could have two fire strikes, which oh, no. like unbelievable. You can stop the oh. charge. And like one of the examples that they showed of the Reinhardt stopping the charge was charging a Zarya into the group, stopping the charge, hitting the hammer down, knocking them all yeah. like, um, or stopping the charge and booping. Like I, I feel Reinhardt's utility, if these advertised adjustments make it to production, which is a long time from now, oh um, I'll, I'll love playing Ryan. And that's not the only adjustment. Like we're going to see adjustments to other heroes. Like the tanky heroes are going to truly be tanky. Um, but then, you know, other adjustments is that a player who is lighter on foot will move faster. So, you know, Think of like Soldier right now. Soldier and Reinhardt move the same speed until Soldier hits shift. Well, arguably, how is that even possible? The game is going to recognize right. it. So we'll have a di- different spur of speeds for the, the flanking style players to, to move around the Maybe map. Incorporate some acceleration or something like that. Yeah, those are good ideas. I mean, now we saw a, a glimpse of, of uh, Soldier's skill tree. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of stuff they can play around with. I'm sure there's a lot of things that in there that they might think, oh, maybe we can like add that, or or how they spoke about Reinhardt's, uh, you know, better steering while he charges. I, I I don't know if I like his ability to cancel his charge. I think that's kind of like the magic in him, just like going for it, and regardless if there's a, like, you know, a, a a a cliff or not. What are you talking about? I've never done that ever. Yeah, you're. Yeah, not you and not anybody else who we who ever played Reinhardt. Well, the the skill tree part, the message, right? Yeah, the skill tree part though, I think is only on the co-op or PVE side. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I mean, oh, okay. The fact that they exist in the game and there's so much different parts that can be easily adjusted and and modified now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's something there that would be like, oh, wait, why not put it in PvP? 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that Jeff had actually um, referred to in, a, in an article, and I can't actually remember the publication, um, but he had actually said how like the Mercy, you know, um, m- res, the OG res, which was uh, Mercy hides under the map until such times you get that, you know, beautiful team kill. <laughs> and all of a sudden everyone's alive again. So he said that, you know, the thing about the, the Omnics is they don't go to Reddit and complain um, vociferously, so they can put that back into the co-op and the PvE yeah. experience, but then have her actual ultimate exist in a different context in the PvP side. And I, I like how they are, they're sort of walling these off. That doesn't necessarily mean, to your point, that they don't maybe, you know, experiment a little on one side and see how, how something feels here and, and, and try it out there, especially if the experimental mode as we know it today travels into sort of whatever Overwatch 2 uh, will be when it launches, whenever that might be, 2032, uh, hopefully sooner. Uh, maps. Maps, beautiful. We saw New York's going to make an appearance. Rome is in there. Obviously, the Toronto map, which we already knew about. Um, they're updating the maps themselves. So the maps we've already grown accustomed to, uh, they'll have some adjustments, might be you know different access points. But one of the things that was really cool and they didn't really sort of showcase too much of it is let's say you're on King's row and you're escorting the payload oh, yeah. and the payload reaches a point where you're, you're used to it sort of turning right and going this way, but it reaches that point and it actually continues going straight. It goes, instead of going right, it goes straight and then through another passageway. So that adds just a level of, you know, variety to your experience that you can't go and predict. Um, you know, like uh, before we hit record, I was playing earlier on and the moment it became apparent that we were going to lose a point, I started to set up, you know, because I know the predictable path where the payload was going to go. Losing that ability kind of adds some intrigue to it. Now, I don't know if we will know which path it will be before we lose the point or how that will exist. Cause like right now it's all sort of telegraph, but that's kind of cool. Uh, lighting effects though, like there'll be um, actual dust storms mm-hmm. on on uh, um, Anubis where your visibility will be impeded um, because of this dust storm. Um, weather effects, as we had sort of talked about there, uh, night sort of day, but then where you are in the world, that experience will be different. Like, yeah. I'm so, so, so excited for this game that I can't even touch. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I hope that uh, they give us, you know, they want to spice up the, we are going to get all the maps, right, that we have in Overwatch 1. There's no reason to discard them. Even the ones that are going to, you know, they're going to change 2CP, they'll probably readjust them to, you know, do another type of mode. And I love, I love, uh, like you said, the adjustments to the existing maps kind of adding this twist in a road mm-hmm. unintended for the payload it would be cool if if even it you know i'm afraid it will only be used in in missions and P- pve but how cool will that be if if say you get to that point in king's row where you have a split in the road and depending on you know the type of, of comp you're having the team kind of gets to somehow choose to which way it goes and then Maybe one part is more open and another would be more closed to better, you know, uh, to be better for for team comp you're running. Kind of like uh, the last maps that they um, came up with. Um, the last maps that they had are Rialto and what was the other one? Uh, the final oh, maps. So like the maps, the last maps that we've yeah, had. Yeah, PvP is Rialto. And well, 
No, it's actually so. It, in 2019, we got Paris and Havana. Uh, Havana and Rialto. So yeah. Rialto was in 2018, but yeah. Yeah. So we did see in these maps that they really focused hard on making different segments kind of promote different style of play. Sure. So I guess that's why they want to add a little bit more uh, funkiness to existing maps. And yeah, that that's really, really cool. I love it. I, again, for the weather effects, I, I fear that it will be just something cool to add to the story missions. Because you know how like pro players and then people who take the competitive scene seriously, they'll tone down all the nice graphics and then all the visual oh, clutter true, uh, true. to remove it. Hopefully, if it exists in PvP, even in low or medium, you won't have that advantage of like like a bush that doesn't exist uh, at a certain uh, level of, uh, of visual fidelity. Yeah. So for those that aren't aware of this, and I mean it's possible there are some. Um, Lowering your your graphic settings in Overwatch actually removes content. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't sort of change the the complexity down to something more simple. Outright removes. I yeah. would be of the opinion that you can totally lower your content, but instead of the bush disappearing, it just becomes a giant voxel. Like I know. Like uh, recently, I got my new RTX 3080, so finally I can play Overwatch in really nice graphics and still pull like the 240 hertz, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, oh, it looks so much better. Like, it really looks like Overwatch 2 now because I am so accustomed to playing it on low. And then I'm like, well, there's these bushes that might hinder. And then I'm like, okay, screw it. I'm in gold. Let's not kid my uh, kid ourselves that this is what what's holding me back. At least I'll get to, you know, enjoy better visuals. So I kind of found a compromise in between. Yeah. Um, lastly, there was one thing I wanted to talk about in maps. We saw New York City and Rome. And while they are nice, I just hope they would opt to go for a more dramatic lighting for these maps. Both of them look great, but at least New York, make it in the night. Like, well, the- I, I think it will be like one of the things that they spoke to, and you're right, they didn't sort of show these maps as the example, but they actually showed Oasis, Hollywood, right. and there was one more where they actually showed sort of different. Um, sort of uh time of day so like there yeah. was uh, I know they evening, sunset during the day so i think we'll see something similar for, for right. I'm, just, too. I'm just talking about the default one the one you will see the most playing mm. quick play and competitive these these don't change i wanted to be more dramatic like the my favorite maps probably king's row and dorado we need more maps uh happening or lijong they look so nice it's 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 bright enough but it's in the night it gives it uh, more, uh, you know, contrast, more, more fun to play in those uh, areas, less lit. And the one, my one pet peeve is like, we need more uh, verticality in these maps. I wish there was a part in in the New York map. Maybe there is. I don't know. That we're oh, you can go up like a skyscraper. Play, and yeah, yeah. Go up. Take that elevator up an elevator or some, uh, the, sorry, the payload up an elevator. Why are these so grounded? We have a lot of like, characters that have this mobility. I'm not saying that the entire uh, map should be like a pit <laughs> or being able to like be flung off of it because that won't be uh, balanced at all. But some portions of it, I want it to be a bit more or maybe climbing some tower. I don't know. Give me more, more verticality. I remember Unreal Tournament had great well, like, maps. Yeah, like two towers. I mean, yeah, the verticality more- there, facing Sorry. worlds. Um, maybe maybe that um, mode where they push right uh, forwards and backwards, they might make a bridge in the middle. That would be super cool. Yeah. 
Well, I think that new new uh, mode is to some extent what you're talking about where they're pushing. But I, I think your idea of verticality it, it definitely holds some some uh, water. I, I, I genuinely believe that would add intricacy that would just make it even better than what we imagine would be. For sure, hard to balance, but we don't yeah. you know, avoid things that are hard. When when has Overwatch ever been a game that was easily balanced? <laughs> right, that's part of the fun. Yeah. Um, moving off of the actual Overwatch uh, two experience and the fact that Overwatch as a flagship brand is somehow not a flagship brand for specifically for the keynote. Uh, again, flag, yeah. yeah, it's better twenty thirty two than twenty seventy seven. True. We learned more about what the Overwatch League is going to get up to. We talked a little bit about this in the payload, but let's sort of recap. What we already knew was that we were going to have sort of an Eastern as well as a Western region. The Eastern region being in Asia, uh, smaller in size because of the number of teams that will be competing there, eight teams. And then the West uh, will have 12 teams. But that was not just North America, but also Europe. So there are sort of, you know, different continents in, in play here. We did get the season schedule, so things actually kick off on April 16th, and the season itself will run, at least for the regular season, through to the uh, final sort of Stage 4 tournament, which is called Stage 4, the weekend of August 20th. Playoffs happen uh, soon after that. The actual season is broken into four distinct tournaments. So we have the May Melee, we then have the Summer Showdown, we're sorry, June Joust, then the Summer Showdown, and then the Countdown Cup. Each one of those tournaments is like a mini sort of playoff experience with a winner from the previous week's qualifiers. And there are sort of three weeks of qualifiers, four games each uh, to, to play in. Now, the actual sort of play into the tournaments is based on your, your standings. Um, it is possible that not all teams will qualify because you actually have to sort of, you know, play in with a round of knockout matches and then you get into the tournament weekend. Um, the actual, um, tournament itself will be a double elimination bracket. And again, details vary based on the two regions because the West has more teams than East. The quirk though, and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this is that should you make it into the tournament you get points for placement. So first place gets three points. Second place gets two points. Third place gets one point. So not only are you being rewarded financially for your performance, and there is money on the line with each of these tournaments. So the four teams that make the double ELIM uh, will essentially receive anywhere from 100 Gs to 20,000. So 170, 35, 20. But you're also rewarded by finishing first, second, or third with bonus points to your regular season standings. It, it provides, I guess, a reward. And I completely appreciate that if you're playing these extra matches, you'll be given something. But then from a competitive integrity perspective, it drastically alters how teams perform, um, you know, all things being equal. Let's say you have a, a particular tournament you pop off and get those three additional points. You might actually have fewer wins over the course of the actual regular season. Yet those three points, because you popped off that one tournament is recognized and you're suddenly then placed higher. I feel that that actually will skew standings over the course of a season. But then we're also talking about a a game and a league that introduces new patches and and adjustments to the meta with hero pools, which we'll also talk to in a moment. But I'm I'm curious, Omni, how do you feel about the bonus points for your, your tournament standings? 
I I get your point. Uh, I'm kind of torn. I I do think that it adds this unfair advantage, or or maybe you know uh, the compounding interest on your performance. But maybe there should be some sort of reward over the long run. I guess uh, a peaks, especially when we're talking about changing metas. Uh, you should sometimes re- reward or recognize a team that normally doesn't perform that well, and sometimes uh, they do, uh, per- you know, perform well in a stage or in mm-hmm. a particular meta. Why not give them that opportunity to 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 push really harder? Because I think that without it, maybe the incentive to try really hard will go down. And I guess this is part of their uh, philosophy of of going back to. Uh, uh, to this format of having the stages and the turn and, and the tournaments uh, is all about bringing up the intensity, bringing up the stories. And then obviously it's a p- polarizing, uh, um, you know, idea. And I think people will talk about it for sure. They're, they will produce more stories where we're, uh, the commentators and us will be discussing, well, should they be rated as high? It only was like on this one niche meta, but that's what, what brings all the juice and then the spice to this league. Uh, so only time will tell if it's a good idea or not. It's kind of like hero pools in very, very different, but obviously something that uh, you add these asterisks, uh, asterisks and then caveat mm-hmm. asterisks. Oh my goodness. That's hard to say. Well, uh, and, that, and that's the thing these, the, yeah. so it should be pointed out if for some reason, let's say there's a tie in standings, the team with the most regular season points will be cool. given the tiebreaker over the team who has the m- more like, cause they'll to be tied. They'll have had a greater amount of playoff bonus points. Like it, it's it, it, in fine. In my mind, it's, it's muddying like- waters yeah. and adding an, a level of intricacy and, you know, complication that isn't outright necessary. But then I do acknowledge it's rewarding the two teams that either pop off or perform. Right, and it's not like uh, uh, Overwatch League is a stranger to these occurrences not where issues <laughs> arise from uh, tiebreakers and stuff like that. Maybe it will even promote um, teams trading more or looking for, you know, oh, I don't, numbers. I don't know. I'm just, I, I, if 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 this is what causes teams to actually make, you know, trades more frequently, I, I would eat my shorts. I, <laughs> trades in the Overwatch League um, very, but very maybe, rarely like, happen. Someone up from an academy, like, uh, I don't know, sure. bringing up a, a player who's not signed. Maybe that will be yeah. a thing. I don't know. Um, Hero Pools. Uh, the love-hate relationship that we have with Hero Pools is going to be continuing to be a love-hate relationship, but it's going to be one that's either going to love it, you're going to hate it, or you're going to love and hate it at the same time. Yep. Why? Because Hero Pools are only going to be used for two of the four tournament cycles. The June Joust in the Countdown Cup. That means the second and fourth sort of tournament cycle has hero pools. The first and third, Melee and Summer Showdown, do not, nor will there be hero pools in the playoffs. Now, how will the hero pools be determined? Uh, Well, it's two damage, one tank, one support, and it's going to be based on eligible heroes based on play rate data from a previous tournament cycle of the Overwatch League matches, and only those heroes that are played regularly, 10% more, can be pulled out of the hero pool rotation. And no hero can be removed more than once during the season. Uh, if there's one thing I like, it's that no hero can be removed more than once during yeah. the season. But that adjustment could potentially sort of, you know, reflect in the the meta. Like, let's say Reinhardt is played significantly in in the first tournament, 
and he obviously gets pulled in in the second. Then in in the third cycle, he gets played. He's the top tank played. You know he's staying in. And if that's sort of the meta, then you know the off tank or whomever would be pulled. Like I, I'm not a big fan of hero pools as they were. I'm not entirely sure as to what they will be because this is going to be different than what we've seen in the past. I like the fact that they're starting out uh, with with the the first stage not having them, and the, like the second one will be the one that will have them. So well, it's it's the back and forth. Like in some cases, right. some teams are going to perform better because of hero pools. So you might see a team, you know, go off in the first stage and the third stage because they can play whatever the heck it is they want. But then as soon as a hero pool gets added, they don't have the ability to adapt. Yeah. So it's add on top, like the patch adjustments. Like and and frankly, like no hero pools is basically a hero pool, right? Yeah. In its own way. Um, the map pool that's going to, to exist, uh, is going to sort of vary by cycle. We know of the May, the May melee tournament cycle. Um, no real surprises here, um, for, for control. We've got Li Jiang, Busan, Oasis, Nepal, Ilios for hybrid. It's Kings, Rob, Blizzard, World, Eichenwald, Escort, Dorado, Watchpoint, Gibraltar, and Havana. And for Assault, otherwise known as 2CP, Hanamura, Voskai, and Temple of Anubis. Uh, patches. So they talked a little bit about patches and in order to maintain a level playing field and competitive balance, Overwatch game patches will only be deployed for Overwatch League usage between tournament cycles during bye weeks I like this. Um, why? Because it at least ensures that sort of the mid cycle doesn't get impacted. We haven't seen that, you know, too frequently as of late. Um, and the likelihood of a new hero showing up in between cycles is negligible because we're not getting any new heroes as far as we know. So there you have it. League in a nutshell. Oh, any other thoughts about uh, the 2021 season news before we move on to a final few thoughts? We have a bunch of time before that season comes. <laughs> so I'll keep them for uh, other episodes. Um, so we haven't talked about actual changes in the Overwatch League player pool, and that's because uh, there's been so much news prior to that. Uh, just a couple of rapid fire hits that Lanta Rain have added Kai. Uh, previously KSP. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say previously KSP, now Kai. Uh, he comes over from via trade with the Valiant. Um, and what the Valiant get in return is like future considerations, money, I don't know, good feelings. We still have no clue who's playing for the LA Valiant. Like it, it is surreal that with all of these changes that have taken place, we don't know. Um, Washington, they've signed Assassin. So that's a, a new adjustment there. Um, and one final thing, and I actually just saw it before we, we went to click record, is there's a, an article over on Dot Esports uh, from Jacob Wolf and Liz Richardson. And it actually talks about the Overwatch League being the impetus for China or the Valiant to be moving to China. Oh. Um, so I mean, it, it, I'll include the, the link again in our show notes here, um, but it sort of provides some, some backstory to what's taken place. Now, I have no reason to doubt Jacob and Liz. They are you know, top-notch reporters within the scene. Um, but they essentially go on to suggest that the Overwatch League was the one who wanted to find balance in the East. Uh, so the Fusion obviously moved over. That made the number seven, and they needed an eighth team. Knowing that Immortals was possibly looking to, to find a way out, uh, they were a team that had been approached. But where it starts to get fuzzy is it almost occurs within sort of the article that 
the decision to go and possibly relocate had been made in late 2020. Now, why is that key? Well, during that time, that when the final decision was made to move, which this was in late November 2020, that they had actually determined that the ability to obtain visas for the players to move to China was near impossible for a variety of reasons. So think back to what the excuse was that Valiant provided. Oh yeah, it's just too difficult to get visas, so we're letting everyone go. Well, if this was a decision that had been made, potentially in November, where they're still continuing to sign players to a contract, why, like, why would you be going through the motions here if you've sort of made the decision that you're now going to go and, and relocate? Like, there are things here that just don't add up, and it almost makes it worse um, with the the actual agreement that Immortals has with, uh, I think it's Langan, um, uh, who's going to be managing the team uh, for the time it's in China. Um, but then, in turn, the players themselves had actually um, been required to sign, whether it is part of their standard player contract when they were signing it originally, or potentially when they um, were uh, essentially being terminated, whether or not that's the right language, I do not know, um, where they couldn't actually um, uh, say anything about it. So the exit agreement that the players apparently had signed included both a non-disparagement and a non-disclosure, which means they can't say squat about the details of their release or exits, because as we saw, Kai was traded, but they can't even disparage it. They can't go out and say, oh, this sucks. <laughs> well, I, I think they have, and I think maybe that one will be like, oh, but like, it's, it's not the too much into detail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel bad. So like, let's think about like a, a, a player like Agilities who had been rumored to be coming to Vancouver. Is it possible that he made a decision signing with the Valiant based on, you know, factors that he believed were in his favor when the actual organization had already moved on? Like, it feels to me that a player like him has sold a bill of goods and now is punished for it, which again, it just does not feel good. Yeah. Like this is again something that was repeated constantly about players needing a union to prevent occurrences uh, exactly like this to give them a little bit more power. But mm. things happen. It is ultimately a business, and like in business, sometimes uh, heads are rolling. Mm, unfortunately, and that you know that is the tough part in business. Unfortunately, sometimes it's the people that get hurt. Um, I am sort of working behind the scenes to try to get uh, any sports lawyer. Uh, on uh, on the show at the segment where we can talk about maybe this particular uh, example, but other, um, you know, sure. business decisions and sort of player personnel decisions on the legal side uh, within esports. I thought, because I thought we were in trouble for a second there. You're like, I'm getting a esports lawyer on our show. For our show. Like, <laughs> yeah. We'll have a legal <laughs> disclaimer before every episode of RSP. Um, but look for that uh, in, in the coming weeks, because I think it would be good to, to provide some context. There's a lot of hyperbole and hot opinions, but having someone who actually has a legal background, you know, telling us what's what makes, uh, makes better sense. And I kind of want our, our podcast to, to be a little bit different than the, the rest in the space. Um, one final note about, uh, the Overwatch game we have come to love, which is tied into Overwatch League, the, uh, San Francisco skin, uh, is hot. It's really hot. I, I'll never, I'll never use it because it's got you know the San Francisco shock oh, attached to it. I'm so close. Oh, it's so good. Like if you haven't seen it, Roadhog is getting himself like done up. Um, he he's got like a flaming head. Like there's there are you know levels to this intricacy to this skin, this Midas 
skin um, that it, it's, it is next level. It's the San Francisco shock park that just drives me nuts. It would be akin to me being a Vancouver Canucks fan wearing a Boston Bruins jersey. I just can't do it. Yeah, I, I feel your pain. I love it so much. But the, it's probably the best championship skin so far. Um, Winston was nice as well. Maybe eventually when it's uh, the, the, the wound is less fresh. Yeah. Well, the, the, so what I was going to say is that when it comes to sort of the skins that we're starting to see in the game, um, like the Reinhardt holiday skin, where the charge actually sounded like a train with a whistle, like these little things that they're adding, really cool. So if you want to take us to task for what we said about how we're not getting enough with Overwatch 1, feel free to do so. I want new modes. I want new maps. I want new heroes. But new skins like this is cool. But it also then has me thinking, what kind of crazy stuff are we going to see with Overwatch 2 as mm. you know, some of this, this sort of cosmetic development takes off? I hope all these skins carry over too, to Overwatch 2. Yeah. I hope. I, I think, well, it would suck if A they don't, but I want to say Jeff said they would. I, I want to say that that stuff will come over, um, whether or not you'll use it, because there's probably going to be some, you know, new and wonderful goodness yeah. along I with mean, the new title. But... Why would you lose them? It's it's a uh, free real estate. <laughs> True. True that. Um, and then uh, one final note, a patch has gone out since our last episode, which simply put through the adjustments that had previously been, I think it was an experimental, um, but uh, Arissa's got a, a slight buff. So essentially critical headshot damage is uh, prevented when your fortify effect is in use. So now when you fortify, it prevents you from getting popped in the dome. Uh, Reaper. Hmm? That's a big head. It is a big head. Uh, Reaper. So Reaper's adjustment where the spread for his shotgun has been reduced, but then the damage projectile has also been reduced. I wanted to say that this was a nerf originally, but I kind of feel that it's an adjustment because that spread reduction will re allow for more damage to be dealt in compact form. And the adjustment of damage dropping from 7 to 5.5 makes sense. So I think he'll feel more you know, um, accurate yeah, and, um, you're, you're absolutely right. There was a user on, on competitive overwatch who did the math and mm -hmm. then made a graph and, and sometimes it's more beneficial, sometimes less. So it's, it's definitely not a nerf or a straight up buff. Yeah. I think, you know, the people who used to just shoot from distance, they might be a little angry, but trust me, if you're using Reaper from distance, you're probably not using Reaper to the best of your ability. Um, counter a widow. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry, guys. Yeah, I'm countering Widow. Uh, Winston had an adjustment, and what happened there is your armor and health have been uh, tweaked. So he has technically less health, but he has more armor. Feels a bit chunkier. Um, yeah, he, he it gives him a little more of a tanky feel. Uh, and then uh, Hammond got nerfed. I mean, his his knockback isn't as is significant. Um, in the few matches I played with this patch. Um, he can still boot pretty good, but like the actual knockback is, is lessened. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I think ball in the hands of someone who knows it'll play them. That reduction of knockback by 25% or 25% strength, um, isn't, isn't too significant. Uh, one note I did want to mention though, and this has nothing to do with the actual, um, adjustment of heroes. There was a bug fix where they fixed a bug that caused player ragdoll models to fall through the terrain while skipping the kill camera. Oh, that was so annoying. 
It's still happening to me, and it has nothing really? to do with skipping the kill camera. It falls through the map every time I die. I, I don't understand how many times I've seen from below the ground as, you know, my Reinhardt is slowly falling into the abyss. It makes you feel that the respawn is way longer than it should be. I don't know why. Yeah. So, um, Jeff, I know you listen to our show. It's it's still happening to me. You know, uh, fix it, please. He'll fix it in Overwatch too. <laughs> True that, true that. Oh, but anyhow, here we are at the end of a, a pretty long show. But as we said at the top, we had a whole lot to talk about. The Toronto Defined have been busy. Uh, lots going on, obviously, in the world of Overwatch, Overwatch 2, um, Overwatch League. We had uh, all sorts of, of stuff to talk about. Um, but yeah, as far as sort of our schedule is concerned, now that we know when the Overwatch League schedule is going to kick off, look for us to go back to weekly episodes come April. So for those of you who are doing the math at home, that means you have to go one more month of bi-weekly episodes before we start kicking things off on April 6th, going weekly. And uh, as to when we'll do our season preview, I don't know, maybe like June. Is that too late? Well, it's going to be nice weather. That's true. Well, hopefully. I mean, for us out in the <laughs> West, sometimes, some well, June's usually pretty good, but there are... <laughs> Sometimes we get really good springs and sometimes we get really wet springs. So. We had snow between our last episodes. Oh, yeah. A bunch. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was here for like Saturday and by Monday it was gone almost, but we had a lot of snow, which really screwed up all the flowers that had started to bloom. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. Anywho, uh, what final words of wisdom do you have for all of our uh, listeners there on the I just want to wish my wife again a happy birthday. Lena, I like you like Genji likes his healing. And we're apart. I miss you like my comp teammates miss their shots. Oh, Happy birthday. <laughs> that's, that's so sweet. Yeah. I can picture this, you running around the, the, the condo going, I need healing. <laughs> and then, or maybe she runs around going, you need healing. Yeah. She never pockets me though. She's like, she gets upset. <laughs> this this podcast episode is starting starting to trend into territory that makes things awkward when it comes to whether or not we we toggle the explicit flags. So. Oh, I was still talking about Overwatch. But oh, okay. I, I knew you were, but there are some some of our listeners out there. They, I, I know them. I've met them. I'm thinking they're podcast. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, final words of wisdom for me uh, have absolutely nothing to do with Overwatch. Everyone needs to get themselves an Oculus Quest too. Mine arrived today, Omni. OMG. Like, I don't know what it is, but like my perception of what like VR yeah. was like is not anything close I to what VR is like. I have the uh, Quest, Oculus Quest uh, S, I think it was called. Okay. I got it. Like, uh, uh, like the Rift? Right the Rift and like, yeah, yeah, Rift S. And, and it's true. I, I know how the technology works. I, I'm not new. I'm not like your like a grandma that sees it and, and freaks out. I get the smoke and mirrors, but man, your brain, once you're in there, it, it feels real. It's really, really nice. I, I was, I was sitting in a rice paddy in, I think it was like Vietnam or something like that. And yeah, like it was just, it was unreal. Like it was like, I was there. And then like you, you can, re, you can put on like the hand tracking mode. You reach out your hands and it's like tracking where your hands are. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Now, granted there were no arms attached to my hands, which is kind of funky. Sure. Um, but like my wife is like, what are you looking at? What are you doing? I'm like, you got to come in here. 
like I'm, I'm, I'm actually describing it like that. Like I'm looking around, moving my head as if I'm looking at something that's so immersive. Like it's unbelievable. I'm totally yeah. moving into the Oasis, <laughs> which yeah, I'm not uh, talking about the map. I'm actually talking about the fictional place that everyone goes are, to and, and, and ready player one and ready player two. On that note, I finished ready player two. It was okay. Oh, the book. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah, we're reading through Dune now. Dune. Dune. Spice must flow. That's a movie I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Spice must flow actually doesn't appear in the book. No, I know. It appears in the video game. But yeah, well, the movie. And the movie, Man, too, but yeah. What COVID has done to, like, it's... Well, the so I'm going to let out a little secret here. I've never actually watched the original movie in, in completion. My mm-hmm. my introduction to the Dune series was actually playing Dune Two, the video game. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Actually, you should read the book. The book is amazing. Yeah. I look forward to the movie. Yeah, the book is really good. Like the books are. I just we're just reading the first one now, and it's absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, I will I will check it out. I am in need of a a new book to to be reading now that I finished uh, Ready Player Two. Uh, for all of our listeners, though, if you've made it this far, what? Uh, what games are you playing in VR? What books are you reading? What movies are you looking forward to? What is it about Overwatch that you love and hate and all that jazz? Let us know. You can join Discord, discord.io slash readysetpwn. Or you can shoot us a note on Twitter. Readysetpwn is where we are pretty much at every social media possibility under the sun. Um, I did a little no-no on 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 social media. I, I co-streamed the, the BlizzCon keynote through our Twitter account. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> that's why we need a lawyer now. Yeah, probably. Uh, but uh, occasionally you'll see us do some crazy stuff like that. I know social media hasn't been all that active, but frankly. Um, stream the Metallica. Oh, I did not. I stopped. I mean, I, I, so, okay. I don't know if you heard about this on me, but if you watched on like YouTube or there, you actually got to see like Metallica play. And if you watched on Twitch, you got a much different version of for whom the bell tolls. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Twitch, like you'll find clips on it, but essentially on Twitch, you see Metallica playing and it's. Bell did not toll for Twitch. No, it's like some random, like, you know, royalty free techno music or whatever. Oh man. I get that the, that, you know, for, from a DMCA perspective that Twitch is crazy, but this just goes and reinforces how like, you know, Facebook gaming and, and YouTube and these other services somehow have a way of means to figure out rights issues that when Metallica is playing a song that Metallica has written, that Metallica can actually say we can play. I mean, oh, it's it's all like faceless algorithms at this point. It's ridiculous. Anytime I like upload videos of like, free music, that's like not, doesn't even belong to these faceless corporations. They would still, you know, flag your vid. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, well, we're really off the rails here. But speaking of flagging vids, uh, a buddy of mine, um, he actually filmed himself. Well, he, he was, had his kids film him as he was coming in the window of his house, having put up his Christmas lights. And he was coming through the window with it, which only opened sort of at the top level. So he had to kind of do this like awkward sort of entry. Mm-hmm. And when he sort of came in he then sort of rolled onto the bed i think in his mind he thought he'd just sort of flop on the bed but instead he did like a full-on barrel roll onto the floor <laughs> so he, he shares it on on online he's got a you know, pretty decent youtube channel and, and he shares it through social but i guess he also submitted it to america's funniest home videos uh-huh and uh, he wakes up one morning logs into uh, his email account notices that he has a content uh, 
claim on his video of him rolling in his window from America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> so, uh, and it, it, I guess it makes sense. Like if you read the terms when you submit a video to them, they own the video. So just the algorithms identified that that was the case. So and he had to essentially take his own video down. Just awful. Yeah. Weird. Anywho. Um, so yeah, join discord, follow us on Twitter, tune back in in two weeks time when we have more news about the Vancouver Titans, Toronto defiant, the overwatch league, overwatch and anything else we might think to talk about. And yeah. What were those words again? Omni. Oh yeah, I know. Catchphrase. Thank you.